academy kicked him out, and after they did, I was curious, so I looked it up. You know, the only other person to be expelled from the academy ever was a character actor named Carmine Caridi. In 2004, he was kicked out for sharing screeners. Carmine Caridi got the same punishment as Harvey Weinstein <laughs> for giving his neighbor a copy of Seabiscuit on VHS. That's pretty funny. That yeah, is. It really is funny. <laughs> so uh, the whiner was brought up specifically, hauled up on stage, uh, you know, symbolically and kicked around a bit. Looking at the um, CBS this morning, they're going with Oscars of Inclusion. Oh, that's great. Which is all, of course, coming out of the Harvey Weinstein thing, right? Uh, partly, plus the Oscars too white of a couple of years ago mm. and the Oscars too tall of 2011. And we need more brown-eyed people of 2009 and the I gotta, anti-Chinese backlash, of course, in 1938. I got to uh, stay healthy. Um have a long life. A one for my children. That should be the number one reason. Very admirable. Two, so that I can see the Oscars become completely meaningless. <laughs> I mean, when it's on, like, you know, it, none of the big networks even carry it anymore. And uh, you have to go to some website to watch it if you're interested. You know, the one, the one thing you do get with a little bit of age is you see the arc of something. It's like being, you know, uh, the, the above the earth, or you can see the horizon a long way away. You can actually see the curve of something, and uh, the curve of various things. I mean, the NFL might be an example of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, you know, hockey. I was a big hockey fan. It was one of the big four sports back in the day all over the country. Now nobody pays much attention. Listen, the Oscars went from 25 minutes in a ballroom where they handed out some awards, shook hands, then went out for drinks. To now a, well, formerly a global spectacle that we all paid attention to and were thrilled with. And now at least half of the country is a little bored and annoyed by it. Quit with the lectures. We, we like what you do for a living. But as I said earlier, I don't want my dentist droning on and on about monetary policy. I mean, he might have a good opinion. He might not. I don't care. I don't need the guy who cuts my hair to be haranguing me about Russia. I just, I don't need that. I don't want it. It's not why I'm there. And so I think there's, you know, it's, it's, we're seeing the ratings decline and, and more and more bitter. I can't tell you the number of emails, texts, tweets, whatever uh, we got from folks talking about how glad they were they weren't going to watch the oscars a sentiment that i don't think existed 10 years ago no i remember uh, why would you be why would you be enthusiastic about not watching it everybody likes movies sure well somebody i know i don't know if they did last night but they used to throw a big party like a lot of people did yeah i remember um where you get all dressed up and like you know you get some expensive wine and you watch the Oscars it was you know it was an American event it was a cultural Root for thing your faves yeah like soup the like Super Bowl it was just a, an event it's actually the Super Bowl Jack <laughs> you know <laughs> I don't know if uh, it's only gone um, become less of a thing if your politics don't match yours if you're if you agree with all the politics the Oscars are you still as into it as people always were I don't know. Might, those people might be more into it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I would think there are probably some progressive folks who feel the same way I do about it. Um, you know, okay, I'm a music freak. If if musicians are constantly droning on about my side of of politics, I don't want to hear that. 
I don't need it. Shut up and play your guitar. So there was a um, one of the Oscar articles that I read over the weekend that was pretty good is what a garbage category best song is. Oh, my went God. Through the history Thank of it. you. It used to be something back in the day, and it was because of the way movies were. All movies like had a musical number in them way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I hated that. Oh, yeah. I'm perfectly enjoying a music, and now all of a sudden... The, the movie? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm perfectly enjoying a movie, and all of a sudden there's a song for some reason. Song and dance, <laughs> yeah. song and dance. Or like just, I'm, I'm, you know, a song playing over, you know, uh, Robert Redford and, uh, and Paul Newman cavorting in the rain during Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. But, but I'm so watching like, a... drags it to a halt. I'm watching a great Western, and one of the characters sings a song. <laughs> Why are you doing this? Well, everybody had to do it, and then there'd be an Oscar for Best Song. Well, yeah. then that went away, and now regularly the Oscar for Best Song goes to a song that its only involvement in the movie is it played over the credits while you were walking out of the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and often was not written for the movie at all. Somebody just picked yeah. it because they thought it'd be a good song. So it's just it's just a dumb category. You know that was one of the rants I was going to unleash in uh, today, but you you've led us into it. There are plenty of really crazy movies that are made, innovative, wild, mind benders, artistically fabulous, technically mind blowing, all sorts of varieties from character studies like uh, what's the uh, Lady Bird movie to technical masterpieces but the songs every year are maudlin little pieces of pop tripe every year they're sappy just bleh i mean the uh the one mary j blige song is pretty good soul music is fine but it was like every single year every single song is perfectly acceptable to a 67 year old granny what the hell is going on with that please is this drop it is this accurate, Sean? Did I hear that none of the nine Best Picture nominees made $100 million? No, I think... I'm pretty sure Dunkirk crested that. I think only one or two of them. So I, I'm, I thought, uh, yeah, only one made more than $200 million? I can't remember. But so um, maybe that's the breakdown of Oscars, is that they're, they're, they're for people that are really into, you know, kind of artistic movies. They're giving out awards for that, and the giant yeah. blockbusters aren't involved at all. Well, That's what most people are going to see. I actually appreciate that, because I'm better than you. So well, I, I have enjoy no problem the, with that either, but you're going to get fewer viewers. Stuff. Well, here's, here's what I'm driving at, though. Nobody watches the National Book Awards for the same reason. The, well, they should. They should. Um, the industry has changed so much, though, that the tentpole classics, the big movies... That everybody watched, and they nominated five of them, and and we all got together to see which one. That was when movie the big movies were made for America, for us. Please never forget the big movies are made for China. Number one, China. Number, Mister President, China. Please pay attention. I realize you're tired from that hilarious gridiron dinner. Number one, movies are made for China. Number two, it's for the international audience. Number three, eh, the U.S. market. Okay. So, so yeah, no. Everybody doesn't get together and talk about which exploding robot movie that everybody went to see is going to win. That's fine with me, but you're, you know, you're not going to get... <clears throat> if, they don't, if there's not a big overlap, you're not going to get 80 million people tuning right, in there. Right. No, of course not. No. So um, just to follow up on that, so six of the nine made a hundred million, but only one one made more than two hundred million. Yeah. Which, just like Joe was saying, that's not that's not a ton of money compared to what they're hoping for if they're making blockbusters. 
They're right. wanting to make half a billion dollars. Right. And but how which, how are you going to pit the exploding robot movies against each other and give them the Oscar? Mm-hmm. So it's two separate fields. It's movies that are worth a damn, and it's movies that make a ton of money. How about some more Jimmy Kimmel? When you hear your name called, don't get up right away. <laughs> give us a minute. We don't want another thing. What happened last year was unfortunate. I've not told the story in public because I wanted to save it for tonight, but here's what happened. This is true. Last year, about a week before the show, the producers asked me if I wanted to do uh, some comedy with the accountants, and I said, no, I don't want to do comedy with the accountants. So then the accountants went ahead and did comedy on their own. (laughs) And I have to hand it to them. It was hilarious, but (laughs) it won't happen again. (laughs) Ah, Well, I liked his joke. He went on to say, they said that this year they were going to really emphasize making sure they had the right envelopes in the right yeah, for the right categories. Right. And he said, what were they emphasizing the previous 89 years? <laughs> I mean, seriously, that yeah. is pretty much the only thing you need to get right. It's the only thing that needs to happen. Hashtag you had one job. <laughs> the single most puke-worthy moment from the Oscars coming up in moments. Okay. So the White House, I just came across this, the White House blasted Russia yesterday, which is not getting a a lot of attention, but it had been getting attention that there'd been no negative talk about Putin out of the White House while they're just killing people left and right over there in Syria. Nobody's stopping it, and nobody in the United States was even condemning it, at least out of our our White House. But Mm. they made a statement, we could read that for you. That's grim. Nobody wants grim, right? And some new moves on the opioid epidemic out of Congress. We'll see if it'll do any damn good. And the sea change in the power balance in my own home from the birthday party weekend. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Growing up in Mexico, I thought uh, this could never happen. It happens. And I want to tell you, everyone that is dreaming of a parable, of using genre fantasy to tell the stories about the things that are real in the world today, you can do it. Oh, that's not the right clip. That didn't sound that controversial. No. No, sorry. The way it was labeled, I thought it was the clip that I'm hearing everywhere so, about. So what? who was it and what did they say? That was uh, director Guillermo del Toro, Gil the Bull, talking about uh, dreaming and how he went on to deliver a saccharine and ridiculous speech about dreamers everywhere we need the dreamers to know we're with you i don't suppose we have that clip and i'm sure the crowd cheered wildly oh yes yes dreamers we support you all right hollywood and again i'm sorry i should have listened to the effing clip your greeting card sentiments are lovely and your slogans that you throw back and forth to each other i'm glad you enjoy them how does that translate to policy please like a grown-up Explain it to me, Guillermo. He had another little speech about the thing our our industry does best is erase lines as the world tries to deepen them. 
That's fine. That's what art is for. That's great. What does that have to do with immigration policy? What would you suggest? How many people admitted on what basis? Your country, Guillermo, is incredibly strict on immigration and brutal with racism as well. Ask any Guatemalan woman who's tried to cross Mexico, had to sneak in, number one, probably got raped two or three times on her way across Mexico with no help from the authorities before she got to America. Talk to us, please, sir. How does your greeting card sloganeering translate to policy? You make a hell of a sexing up a fish movie. Way better than I ever could. And I admire you for it. Brilliant, they say. I haven't seen it yet, but I will see it. This tires my hiney out. He can say something. I want dreamers everywhere to know. We support you dreamers and dream with you. Yay! Yay! What do you all mean? What if we ever, and this will never happen, but if you had, you know, the next category, the, the best actor or whatever, best picture person gets up there and says, I'd just like to say for the record on behalf of people uh, across the country that we need to have a, an immigration policy. We need to decide how many people we want to let into this country, what people based on what skills, and then we need to enforce it. <laughs> and then we need to make it much I mean, easier for people who are legal to make it in because we make their life an expensive hell just to follow the rules, and it's unfair. But all countries have a policy and enforce it, and we should too. I mean, you know, nobody would ever say it's not you don't fun. dream dreams with dreamers dreamily. All right. Can I hit you with one more Dennis Miller tweet from the weekend since he's back on the Twitter? Is this it Oscar related? No. All right, real quick. Michael, what's, play that uh, bumper music we just played. Play it again. Play it. I want to hear it. Play it. I love the old songs. There might be two Oscar-nominated best songs in the last 20 years that I would say are a better song than this one. This is kind of a medium hit from the radio. God, the Oscars' best song needs to go. Turn it off! I can't stand it anymore. See if you can follow this. This might work better than print. Okay. This is a Dennis Miller tweet. Okay. You're going to have to follow me here. Think about it. All right. It this is, might this work is, better in print, you're saying. This is intellectual humor. Okay. Spent the afternoon exchanging missed phone calls with my Lebanese drug dealer. Hashtag, hashtag. <laughs> Exchanging missed phone calls with my Lebanese drug dealer. Yes. Hashtag, hashtag. Yes. <laughs> Very thought, clever. You've I been thought, missed, Dennis. I thought that was pretty funny. You have been missed. <laughs> and I was going to call for transition music, but that was a transition joke. There you go. I guess. So uh, the newest status symbol in Silicon Valley. And it's not a Tesla or a Patek Philippe watch. You've probably lived among or brushed up against the wealthy and pretentious enough to know they can ruin anything. Hipsters are capable of souring absolutely anything. Well, now it's chickens. Silicon Valley's latest status symbol, according to the San Francisco Chironicle, is chickens. Having them in your backyard? Oh, just wait till I tell you, Jack. They uh, describe this one techie uh, guru, rich guy, and his secret of success is relaxing with a glass of wine in the backyard alongside his wife, kids, and the family's 13 chickens and three sheep. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating thing to sit and watch the animals because instead of looking at a screen, you're looking at the life cycle. It's very different from the abstract work that I do. Now, that that's okay. I don't mind the guy saying that. It's grounded. It's fun. It's taking care of something as opposed to clicking on a computer all day. It's very popular right now, having the chickens. Oh, but you'll be sickened soon, Jack. 
In America's rural and working class areas, keeping chickens has long been a thrifty way to provide fresh eggs. In recent years, the practice has emerged as an unlikely badge of urban modishness. In the Bay Area, where the nation's preeminent local food movement overlaps with the nation's tech elite, egg-laying chickens are now a trendy, eco-conscious humble brag on par with driving a Tesla. In true Silicon Valley fashion, chicken owners approach their birds as any savvy venture capitalist might, by throwing lots of money at a promising flock, spending as much as $20,000 for high-tech coops, by charting their productivity, number and color of eggs, etc., and by finding new ways to optimize their birds' happiness as well as their own. Optimizing the chicken's happiness. And then they go into the fact that they are bidding up the prices of more and more exotic chickens so you can brag about how cool your chickens are to your neighbor. Mm. And the region's chicken breeders are busier and busier finding every more novel birds, ever more novel birds. <sighs> While the rest of the nation spends $15 on an ordinary chicken at their local feed store, Silicon Valley residents might spend more than $350 for one heritage breed, a designation for rare non-industrial birds with genetic lines that can be traced back generations. Does this chicken have papers? (laughs) It's so funny to watch. boy. Cutting-edge coops, exorbitant vet bills, and a steady diet of organic salmon, watermelon, and steak. I wish we Because chickens always eat cow in the wild and salmon. There's nothing more exciting than watching the chickens fly down to the river and snatch the salmon <laughs> out of the water. I wish we'd have had a high-tech coop so that maybe our dog hadn't gotten in and eaten all the chickens. Mm. Which horrified our children. Jack, you're a chicken guy. You know more than I do about chickens. I know I like them on a sandwich. New owners might start off with a standard breed, like a leghorn. Foghorn leghorn. I said, I said, I said boy. Of course, the most famous leghorn. Uh, a, bar, a barred rock or Rhode Island red. That boy ain't right. Before upgrading to something more exotic and ornamental, like a silky. A Jersey giant. A golden-laced bearded Polish chicken. Or a dorking. That's how I spend most of my days, dorking. An endangered British breed with a sweet disposition and roots that stretch back to the Roman Empire. I'm thinking out there, there's some woman out there with a college story, a reference to an unfortunate night with me that she refers to with her friends as the dorking. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, the humble chicken lays an egg, goes balk balk, has been transformed into Silicon Valley as a way to show off to your neighbors and spend tens of thousands of dollars and then brag about it. Unbelievable. Want a tequila shot? No, I don't drink tequila anymore. Oh, that's right. That night with Jack, the dorking. The dorking. <laughs> I, I never want that to happen again. <laughs> now, you've had chickens. You don't need to yeah. spend, like, thousands oh, on no. a cooper. No, 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 no. Chickens are pretty damn cheap. Whole thing's pretty cheap. And they provide you with eggs, more than you could ever eat. You have more eggs than you know what to do with, pretty quickly. Oh, you have regular chickens? Yeah. Oh, that's cute. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, Trump calling out former President Obama again this morning. And an FM warning about your work desk. Yes, fecal matter warnings oh, coming no. up minutes from now. Jeez. What is it with you? Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Thank you for hitting me with the Wall Street Journal article about how the Oscars have changed over the years in terms of what's nominated in its popularity. I'll hit you with that a little bit later. Ah. It's been a big change 
from, well, when we all used to watch the Oscars and care about it. Significantly. So yeah, I, I, I think we all sense something has changed. Yeah. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump is calling out former President Obama again this morning on Twitter. Trump said, why did the Obama administration start an investigation into the Trump campaign with zero proof of wrongdoing long before the election in November? Wanted to discredit so crooked, H would win unprecedented, bigger than Watergate. Plus, Obama did nothing about Russian meddling. Now, that uh, tweet came out about an hour and a half ago. It could have been prompted by the news that special counsel Robert Mueller is now expanding his investigation into Team Trump and potential Russian collusion. It looks like Mueller's office is far from being done, reportedly filed a subpoena looking for all documents, emails, texts, handwritten notes, everything involving the president and a number of his closest advisors. And if that's not enough, the demand is going back to November 1st of 2015. Wow. Five months before the now President Trump announced his campaign. Wow. And and also they subpoenaed her. They wanted to question some some businessman who's a Middle Eastern power broker about the uh, uh, relationship with the Trump administration and the UAE and whether there's anything untoward there. So evidently Mueller has expanded his portfolio yeah. to uh, any uh, alleged, perhaps, dirty dealing with yep. any country for any reason. George Stephanopoulos said something interesting on um, ABC This Week. Uh he said the committees have become so politicized with their back and forths and everything like that. He said, I, I don't I don't think there's any any reason to pay any attention to what they do anymore. It's all Mueller's report. Yeah, I've it's, stopped. It's just that. Yeah. That's the only thing that matters. We just wait till it comes out. If you need a ride to a doctor's office, Uber is now going to be an option. The uh, San Francisco-based ride-sharing company is offering to take patients in every U.S. market to and from their medical appointments. Now, the new service is called Uber Health, and it'll allow health care providers to book a ride for you. In other words, they will take care of getting you there and getting you home. Oh, okay. Uber will then build the health care facility directly for the service, not the patient. So it's going to end up being part of our insurance at some point? It looks like that. Yeah. It looks like it'll get worked in that way. And the price will probably get jacked up by 300%. Yeah. yeah. So you'll end up thinking it's free, but paying triple. Yeah. $500 to get to the hospital for right. an appointment. Right. Great. All right, my friends. How often do you clean your desk at work? Well, I got a lot of crap on my desk, honey. I'm going to be home late. New study reveals your desk could contain 400 times more bacteria than a toilet seat. No, literally, I got a lot of fecal matter on my desk, honey. Marshall says I, I have do, to clean it. I do sit bare-assed on the desk a lot. <laughs> I know, and I've asked you to stop. Researchers have found the average desktop has 21,000 germs per square inch, including some FM fecal oh, matter. no, not the FM. It's fecal matter with Marshall. It's a sick enough number is impressive compared to the 127 grams per square inch found on the average toilet seat. 21,000 on your desk, 127 grams on the toilet seat. Well, we do employ quite a number of trained monkeys around here, and you know what they do when they get agitated, so it's not that that surprising. And uh, the uh, survey also found just 33% of the people actually follow guidelines about cleaning up their desk. Well, 10% admit to never cleaning it. So I hope you're following the guidelines. 
The uh, Me Too and Time's Up movements getting some blowback online after two men accused of domestic violence took home some big Oscars. First, Kobe Bryant won the award for Best Animated Short for Deer Basketball. Which he wrote. Yes. I didn't realize that. So he actually received received an Oscar. And he wrote uh, a poem about his basketball mm -hmm. career. Was there anybody else that got an Oscar who's actually been through a rape trial? I don't think so. Well, uh, later, Gary Oldman won the Best Actor for The Darkest Hour. He was accused of assault in 2001 by his then-wife who claimed Oldman was beating her in front of her children. Now, Kobe was acquitted, right? Uh, they Is settled out ended? of court. Settled they, out of court. Yeah. They settled out of court. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then uh, Positive Sean with a little uh, insight briefly on the Gary Oldman yes. thing. Well, from what I've heard, the his wife had drug issues, was kind of dismissed as uh, making a lot of this stuff up. The judge eventually ruled... In favor of Gary Oldman, gave him full custody of the kids. Um, the fact that those accusations are there is certainly true, but it seems that the judge mm, okay, didn't so, find him that so compelling. So when a judge looked into it, he gave the kids to Gary Oldman, which yeah. is something. That, yeah. that indicates something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. I don't think we can presume no. Gary Oldman is a wife beater and should no. be condemned. No, no, absolutely not. Meanwhile, you had Kobe at the award ceremony. He accepted his uh, Academy Award for Best Animated Short, and he managed to take a jab at Fox News anchor Laura Ingram in his acceptance speech when he said, I mean, As basketball players, we're really supposed to shut up and dribble, but I'm glad, I'm glad we do a little bit more than that. Thank you, Academy, for this amazing honor. Thank you, John Williams, for such a wonderful piece of music. And there you go. Kobe Bryant. We got Charles Barkley speaking to that same topic a little bit later as he was the host of Saturday Night Live. In 2003, a hotel employee filed a police affidavit accusing Bryant of sexual assault. At first, he denied the encounter altogether. Later, he told police because that he and his the wife al- would be very angry. Right. Later, he told police that he and the alleged victim had consensual sex. Just before the trial, the woman decided not to testify, and the charges were dropped. After which, she filed a civil suit and settled out of court with Bryant for an unknown amount. That's another one too. I mean, unless you're just going to go with everybody who's accused of something as a dirtbag. Absolutely possible that she just wanted money or made a bad decision. Who knows? I don't know. It's also possible he raped her. It is, but you can't. I know. I don't know. We got to decide how we're going to handle this. Everyone's accused is guilty. Is that the way we're going to handle it? Or I'm not in favor of that. No. Kobe Bryant now has more Oscars than Stanley Kubrick, and that doesn't really feel right. <laughs> <laughs> that is a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the Conscience. Of the nation. Boy, Cooper could bury the three, though, couldn't he? <laughs> Sorry, Squawky, I talked over you. Uh, latest wrinkle in how this nation is going to deal with the opioid crisis. Coming up in just a few minutes with a guest from the Washington Post. No, no, I'm sorry. The Washington Examiner. Will it do any good, or will we just throw a bunch of money at it like the That's last time? That's what I get worried about. Um, we have a history of doing that. We got a problem. Let's give them a half a billion dollars and see if they can fix it. Stay tuned for that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. My wife's excited about the eight-hour Bachelor finale that's tonight. <laughs> However many yeah. hours it is long. Oh, my God. It's like three hours long. Good Lord. Um, but there is a wrinkle on that. My, my suspicions were right all along, I think. 
Ari don't like the don't like the ladies. Really? Which is a hell, hell well, of a twist. My prediction was he, he's going to say to the two finalists, you know, I'm a homosexual. <laughs> so I got a couple of rings for both of y'all, but they're, they're not wedding rings. Mm. All right. On a more serious topic, because everything's more serious than that. Uh, please welcome Robert King, healthcare reporter from the Washington Examiner, who's been on the uh, opioid epidemic beat and the congressional uh, attempt to do something about it beat. Robert, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's our pleasure. So we understand the House and Senate taking different approaches, but they're uh, both trying to, uh, you know, stop people from uh, killing themselves with pills. What are they trying to do? What What's the uh, what's the trend? Sure. So uh, right now in the House, uh, the House Energy and Commerce Committee is uh, considering uh, eight bills that kind of deal with a variety of factors uh, surrounding the opioid epidemic. And over in the Senate, a group of bipartisan senators have put together a new legislation uh, that gives another $1 billion to the effort and kind of some other new reforms to try and kind of clamp down on not just not just expand treatment options, but also clamp down on the spread of the very powerful opioid called fentanyl, which is about 100 times more powerful than morphine and 50 times more potent than uh, heroin. What are they going to do with my billion dollars? I mean, my chunk of it. Yeah. What are they going to do exactly? Well, well, they're going to try and funnel it through uh, in the Senate uh, bill, would funnel it through to grant programs, basically go into localities. Uh, this is building on 2016 legislation that kind of uh, expanded a lot of treatment options for people that are suffering from opioid addiction, also giving first responders a lot of tools like this uh, drug called naloxone, which is which is kind of a, a miracle drug that can kind of help end an overdose that's happening, essentially, not just for opioids, but for uh, other, other drugs as well. Interesting. Robert King, healthcare reporter for the Washington Examiner on the line. But the Senate is more into the whole uh, crackdown and stop the spread and um, do we have any sort of idea when it, they might work out an agreement between the two houses and get something going? Well, right now, there's no talks of combining all the legislation together into kind of one package. Uh, right now, in the House, uh, the head of the Energy and Commerce Committee, Greg Walden, said that he wants to get all these bills that they're putting together through the House floor by uh, by Memorial Day, which is in just a few months. And it's interesting that the, the House is really trying to crack down on the spread of fentanyl, which has, uh, you know, kind of been contributing a lot to opioid deaths in recent years because it's it's very potent and it's pretty easy to get off the streets and actually online, too. Uh, a congressional probe recently found that it's as simple as Googling how to buy fentanyl uh, is and then go go from there is how easy it is to get this drug uh, bought over the Internet. So here's a cynical Jack's uh, concern with this sort of thing. The president declares, whenever it was, a month or so ago, that this is a national emergency. That means the money spigot's going to get opened up. They got a billion dollars they're going to spend on something. All these people representing various districts or states think, I want to get this giant chunk of money, as big a chunk of money as I can for my district, and they're going to come up with some way to have that money uh, flowing into something. Um, I'm just concerned that not a lot is going to get done and a lot of money will get spent. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good question actually, and uh, it's we're kind of waiting and seeing what's going to happen now because uh, the House and Senate budget deal that they passed, I believe, last month that kind of sets up a spending deal for two years included six billion dollars for fighting the opioid epidemic, but we don't know exactly how that money is going to be spent yet. They're going to be they're kind of 
fiddling that through right now. So that's it'll how, be spent. Oh, yeah, it'll be spent. It'll definitely be spent. But where it's going to go to and and kind of what it's going to uh, focus on is is still up in the air. Oh shoot. Sir, Joe's so disgusted no, with his report, he hung up on him. Still, no, I didn't. It's still up in the air. Robert, I apologize. I clicked the wrong button there. Uh, Robert oh, okay. King, healthcare reporter for the Washington Examiner. R- Robert, we appreciate the time. Thanks a bunch. No problem. Thank you. All right, we'll do it again. I can uh, make a prediction right now. What's going to happen? We're going to spend all this money, and there's going to be no advance in, uh, in, in in stemming the tide of opioid deaths. Or maybe a buck advance for every $25 spent. Oh, you know. If that happens, I would yeah. be thrilled. Hey, movement. Yeah. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. I, I doubt it's that successful. Well, Congress uh, does two things: nothing and overreact. And you're a, you're you have a district or a state, and you're going to say, "And I've gotten forty million dollars for our district to fight opioid abuse." And people right. will cheer, and it just kind of filters out into the community. And there aren't any fewer deaths, but it, forty million dollars got spent in your district, so that every scumbag with a spare bedroom can claim to be a rehab facility right. and get wealthy. Yeah, and There's meanwhile, your- work to keep their Patients slash victims hooked as hard as they can. Right. Yeah, I know it. The fentanyl, the Chinese are cranking that stuff out and uh, shipping it to the country. It's an effort to, uh, I don't know, weaken us or something. How many to 50 times more uh, potent than morphine? That's uh, plenty potent. No wonder it kills people. What's that one wonder drug they, they give to people if they show up at the OD? Yeah, well, that's the OD drug. Um, I say you get three of them. Like Any they, American citizen, just by virtue of sucking wind, we will revive you three times with this stuff. After that, like per month or over the course of your lifetime, lifetime, I would say, I would say it resets every five years or so. Well, they're trying. It's that. like uh, getting the ticket and being able to go to to a uh, driving school or whatever traffic school, comedy traffic school. Yeah, exactly. Go to, go to comedy, uh, that, save your life from a drug was, overdose school. That wasn't funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. Once uh, once you're like four years down the line, it, it vanishes from your record, and you get to get another hit of it. But after that, three, your family gets charged twenty thousand dollars. Well, as we talked about a while back there are various counties trying this because it's so expensive and they give you three times and what happens is the people don't want to waste their their time of getting the shot so your friends might try to resuscitate you for quite a while before they they call the paramedics because you only get three of those shots yeah well so you're you're blue and your your heart hasn't been beaten here for a minute or so but i'm going to keep pounding on your chest to see if i can bring you back around because we don't want to waste one listen i get the antelopes carrying around their three-legged friend and maybe helping them limp away from the lions. But if you got a two-legged antelope, and you've got to literally carry them, and so you're, whoever's carrying them is constantly getting eaten by the lions, you have weakened the herd. I mean, I'm willing to go some, but not an unlimited distance to carry around the two-legged antelopes of our herd. Unless the thing <laughs> learns to stand upright and run like a man, then you got something. So remember Marshall's story about how icky your desktop is at work? There's poo on there. <laughs> 50% of U.S. office workers say they've secretly disinfected or wiped down a co-worker's desk to avoid spreading germs. Oh. You think old snot and sneezing Jimmy over there has got a dirty desk, so when he like goes to the bathroom, you go and windex down his desk or something. Old fecal Frank. <laughs> well, if that's your nickname at work, that's too bad. Check yourself. And you got to use Windex, too. Why is my desk blue? <laughs> fecal Frank. That's not a good nickname. No, no. All right. So what What time is it? Oh, you know, uh, that was so exhausting and serious I don't, just, and discouraging. 
Uh, I don't want to go into that. I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about that. Well, this is health related, and I was going to get to it at some point. Front page okay. of USA Today: When do not resuscitate is disregarded. Apparently, this is a thing. You decide toward the end of your life you're going to be a do not resuscitate sort of person. You want to uh, you want to go when uh, when when your when your body says that's that's it. But a lot of times the hospital or, or whoever makes the final decision ignores that. They that's got an, disgusting. They got an example here of a woman, 87 years old in San Francisco. She had done the DNR paperwork and all that sort of stuff, and then all of a sudden she wakes up one day and she's got a defibrillator implanted in her chest, a very expensive medical uh, device that she didn't want. Wow. But people don't check the paperwork or ignore it. I mean, there's a lot of people making money, getting back to our previous conversation. A lot of people making money. Wow. Um, When they do resuscitate you or put these devices into you. Right. That old gal's not a human being. She's a cash farm. She's a billing opportunity. 18% of Medicare patients have surgery in the final month of their life. Wow. 8% have surgery in the final week of their life. 12% of defibrillators are implanted in people older than 80. we got to decide on all this. So if we're all going to pay for it together. Anyway, that's a big topic. Yeah, no kidding. i got to talk about the sleepover at my house. Oh, yeah. For the big birthday party. How things went awry. I was I was called out as a, as an idiot. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.